we don't grow alone. We flourish when we do life together. To flourish means to grow or develop in a healthy way, especially as a result of a particularly favorable environment. Join me for conversations about growth and change as we talk about what it means to flourish and create the community you crave. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Flourish Together podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Worley, and you are listening to episode 39, Friendish with Kelly Needham. You guys know that I talk about on the podcast all the time. In fact, it's one of the pillars of this podcast is friendship and community. And when I learned about this book, Friendish, and just kind of started digging into it, I knew that I wanted to have Kelly on the show. I think that the message of this book and what she writes about is so important in our culture today, in our community building, in our friendship building, and what I've learned over the years and what is so written about and reiterated in this book is that we really have to have a right, correct relationship with the Lord. He needs to be our number one priority and what flows out of that into our neighbors and our community and our friendships is something so much better than what it could be if we didn't put Jesus first. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to the episode and hear what Kelly has to say. A little disclaimer on this day of recording, we did have some internet issues. And so at the end of this interview, bear with us. There's a slight delay um, throughout the end of this episode, but I hope you guys will hang in there with us and finish the episode. I so appreciate you guys tuning in. So without further ado, here's my interview with Kelly. Welcome everybody back to another episode of the Flourish Together podcast. Today, I'm excited to introduce you guys to Kelly Needham, who is the author of the brand new book that just came out called Friendish. Welcome Kelly to the show. Thanks, Andrea. I'm so glad to be here with you. Awesome. Well, I, your book has been out. It was released August 27th. So it's been out for a couple mm-hmm. weeks now. Um, and I, your publisher was so nice to send me a copy. And so I was able to read through the book. Um, I have it here to reference a little bit, but um, I love the just concept of your book. And I, once I started digging into it, there are just so many themes and lessons that you write about in this book that I think are so um, applicable and needed for Mm -hmm. just where we are at today with so many people in this podcast. A lot of what we talk about on this podcast is community and relationships and friendships. So I wanted to have you on the show to talk about your new book and talk about all those things. That's great. I'm looking forward to that. So um, I wanted to ask you, what inspired you to write this book? So the byline of your book says, reclaiming real friendship in a culture of confusion. Yeah, I, I love friendship. I would not be who I am without the friends in my life over the years. And so a combination of my love for friendship and then also seeing some kind of unhealthy and um, it, like it was friendships in my life friends that I had, that they had friendships with other people. And I was seeing some unhealthy tendencies come out of those friendships. And it's not like what I was used to seeing. It's not like there was a bunch of 
you know, it's not like they were partying together or a lot of backstabbing or lying or doing these kind of overt things. These were people trying to do Bible studies together and go to church together and really trying to fight for a good friendship. And yet things were getting off. So I think the combination of, man, I know friendship matters. It's important in my life, but there's something wrong here. I'm seeing some things that are off. I've viewed a lot of people over the years, and that's really why this book exists is um, I needed it to exist years ago, and um, I was interested to know how can I help the people in my life fight for deep and meaningful friendships in a way that's healthy and draws us toward Christ, not away from him. Yeah, I agree. I, lo- I love that you said you kind of wrote this book out of your own need because I too have come across many great books and there's like chapters or certain sections about friendship that I wish were longer or I wish they delve into different like areas and topics. And when I started reading your book, I was like, yes, this is the book that everybody <laughs> needs to read because you really dive into a lot of that stuff. And when I was reading through it, I found myself just like nodding and just like underlining so many things that like, I wish I had this book 10 years ago. So I think that it's going to be an amazing resource for people to pick up and read. Um, I love that you spend a good amount of time in this book in the first like several chapters talking about our relationship with Christ and how that matters and really impacts how we view friendship, how we do life together. Um, I know definitely when I have found myself in hard seasons uh, with relationships and community and friendship, I've really had to take a look at that grounding relationship with Christ. And so that is definitely a lesson that resonates with me. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I think um, one of the problems that, that comes in our friendships is we, we might in, in our heads or in theory say, yeah, Jesus is enough for me. Um, he's the most important person in my life. But a lot of times that's not real. And I think that's really the root cause of a lot of our friendship problems. Because Jesus is not satisfying us, we don't feel like he's a tangible presence in our life, we start looking to people. We look to friends, that could be a husband or wife sometimes, or your children, and those friendships and those relationships can't satisfy us. And we find ourselves maybe jumping from one BFF to another or one friend group to another and looking for who are my people that are just going to fill my soul. I really think when we can deepen our friendship with Christ, that's what liberates and frees us to then build friendships with one another in a way that patients are right. Um, the, the joy that we find there is going to be, you know, um, more full because um, we're not looking to those friends to be Jesus for us, you know, we're looking to him. Um, so I think that that really for the Christian is the foundation for healthy friendships is first um, do, you know, put the commandments in the right order, right? First seek the Lord, by, uh, love him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you go to community, then love your neighbor as yourself. And we work for these relationships after that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I think, you know, what you said is so true that when we're struggling with relationships, it's because we have the scriptures wrong. We have things kind of misaligned and out of order and out of priority in those areas. Um, I also love in the book that you talk a lot about unhealthy and healthy friendships. And I love the the back of the book um, where you give like that whole chart in the appendix mm-hmm. back. Um, 
can you talk a little bit just with your research and through the word, like what you have seen where there has been unhealthy versus healthy? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, I think um, the, the big thing that I was hoping to convey in that list and in, in trying to help people see um, the difference between healthy and unhealthy friendships is to look a little bit deeper than we're used to, to look um, deeper than maybe just actions. Um, just because you are doing a Bible study with a friend or your accountability partners with them doesn't necessarily mean your relationship is healthy. Sometimes um, even our accountability partners or our community groups um, we might be talking a lot about Jesus on the surface, but the DNA of that relationship might actually be um, one that's fostering idolatry. I'm maybe in practice looking to my mentor, or my accountability partner, or my small group leader as my savior. They're the one I call on a hard day. They're the one I'm looking to for answers. I'm not going to the word. I'm not going to Christ. I'm going to this person. And it's all maybe en encased in a lot of spiritual language sometimes the DNA is off. Um, and so that list and some of what I was trying to address in the book is to get people to go, well, let's, let's look at the, the, the DNA, the essence of how this relationship is working, how it's functionally, um, what it is functionally in your life and ask ourselves the questions, is, is that the role that person should be playing? Um, it might not be externally like obviously wrong, but we need to look a little bit deeper than that. And sometimes that's, that's hard for us to see, which is why I wanted to try and create some kind of list that can help us have eyes to see um, where there's health and where there's unhealth. Um, it's, it's a lot like weeding a garden to keep it flourishing and healthy. You know, you, you're looking, you need to be able to identify a weed and tell a weed from a flower. And when you see those weeds pop up, which they will for all of us, we all have friendship problems. We can know it's a weed and pull it out. And pull it out of our life, turn from that thing, and then give more space for the healthy um, healthy friendship to grow in that garden. So this is not a one and done thing in my life, and I don't think in anybody's life. We're always tempted to look to people over Christ. It's just learning what is health in friendships, what's unhealth. And when I see those signs of unhealth, I need to be disciplined to just pull that weed out and keep moving on. Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes, I mean, I don't know if you would find this to be true, but sometimes as Christian people, people who love Jesus, sometimes we think that, you know, our friend who also loves Jesus, like everything is always fine. Um, mm -hmm. And it, you know, in your book, you talk about like, we're all human and we're all Christian or not susceptible to putting things out of priority and not putting God first, whether we are Christians or not. Um, and I think a lot mm -hmm. of times, you mentioned it before, like, you know, you might be in a Bible study with, you know, other friends that you go to church with, and you're just not aware of what might not be, be healthy. Do you find that to be the case kind of in our, in the church? Yeah, I, I see, I think the problems actually are much higher in the church than we realize, because we tend to see uh, friendships with other Christians, especially within the same gender, as like a safe zone, like how could there ever be sin in that? You know, this is my friend who's another woman who loves Jesus. Like it's a, a free for all, you know, we're not even a could be a threat. We're not looking for a threat. And so that actually makes us more, more vulnerable because we're just not even aware that any could happen. And I think that's how these little idolatries and other things can sneak into it. Um, 
in marriage, for example, even to a spouse who's a believer, we have some category for like, our faith should change what I expect out of my marriage. I can't look to my husband and think he can be my everything. He can't. He can't be my savior. He can't be the one who is my everything. Jesus has to be that. And then, you know, I can have a healthy marriage. But for some reason in friendship, we were just, we haven't even thought about that. We're just like, oh, it's all fine and good. And again, I think that's what makes us more susceptible. We're just not even thinking critically about it at all. Um, and that's why I think I personally have seen a lot of problems in um, those relationships in Christian communities. They just, the problems sneak in without anybody even knowing until sometimes you're in a position that is um, really not, not good. I love that you talk about, um, you talk about on page 105 in your book, you say, because Jesus is our significance, we can be unoffended and self-controlled. And I firmly believe that if mm. the enemy can keep us like offended with each other, mm us divided and so I love that you talk about this in your book and I know there have been times in my life where I have definitely been offended and probably offended others and sometimes we're just we lack the self-awareness to understand that can you talk a little bit about that yeah I think um we we all have been there right we've been left out of things you've walked over to your friend's house and seen on their fridge an invitation to a wedding or a baby shower or a birthday party that you didn't, ha- you didn't get. And the temptation of that moment is to immediately, yeah, be offended, have hurt feelings. Um, and that's just increased with social media because now we get to kind of spy on all of our acquaintances and friends and see what they're up to and things we would have never known about before. Now it's like, oh wait, they're all getting together. Why didn't I get that phone call or that text? And I think what we forget in some of that is who can invite everyone to their birthday party? You know, you can't do that. Um, And when we, when Jesus is for us, what makes us valuable, our relationship with him gives us value and meaning and significance. He's the one who, um, because he loves us, he chose us, he's for us. We can go, man, I matter. I matter to somebody. Um, Now, when I don't get that invite, I have a clear mind to think about it. I can first go, you know what? That's okay because I'm really important to the most important person in the world. And so I can not lose my significance there. And also I can think with an others-centered mentality and go, man, my friend might not have been able to invite more than five people. And that's okay. She'd invite me. You know, if I were on the other end of that and I could only invite a certain number of people, I'd want those other people to be gracious with me, um, understanding that. So it's really easy in our modern day with our technology to be offended. And so I think it's even more important to go, um, man, Jesus, please be for me. Um, that the relationship that gives me meaning and significance so I can be freed to, love others and not demand from them and to not get my feelings so easily hurt um, every time I hear about something that I wasn't involved in. And I love that just everything that you're talking about and everything you talk about in the book, it just, it always circles back to that foundation that we have in Christ. And it's that really like convicting reminder that our relationship, like we need to be solid with the Lord first in order to be a life-giving friend and have life-giving relationships. Totally. It's, 
it is the thing that should make a difference in our friendships. You know, I, I, in the book too, tried to remind um, all of us that our friendship should look different from the world's, not just in, oh, we go to church and we don't do these other things, but that again, the DNA of our friendship should be transformed because we now have access to Christ. We have a friendship with the living God and that should do um, something extremely transformative in our friendships that the world should look at and go, wow, how, how are you even functioning like that with one another? I want that. I want more of that. There's less drama, less self-centered, you know, manipulation going on. Um, you're for one another in a generous hearted way and are able to be unified despite your differences. We should, all those things should be happening and should be evidence of the, the work Christ has done in our lives. Um, the challenge for many people is that Christ is not that tangible in their day to day. Again, we say, we'll say it mentally. Yes, he's most important, but if he does not feel like a real friend, um, a real person you engage with regularly that you feel like hears you, that responds to you, it's going to be really hard to walk these things out um, if he's not um, a real person you can depend on in your life, not in, not in theory, but in reality. Mm. Yeah, because I think that, you know, we've all kind of heard like this like cliche and like try mm-hmm. answer of like, let Jesus be your best friend. And that's so true. But what are the practical ways that we do that? And so I love that you you walk the reader through that in this mm-hmm. book. And it's really, really helpful. The other part of the book that I really, really loved is where you talk about the marks of a counterfeit friendship. Mm-hmm. And just even the way that you worded that with the wording that you chose of counterfeit, um, it just makes it seem so like more like real and in your face, like here's some things that are really important to take a look at. A look at. Um, talk a little bit about what that means, the counterfeit friendship or marks of that. Yeah. Um, the first counterfeit that I talked about in the book is when a friendship replaces Jesus. And I think, like you said, as soon as you hear that language, you're like, oh, I, I don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're all really tempted toward that. And I think that takes studying what roles Jesus is supposed to be in our life. And how have I let friends maybe replace his role? Um, that's something that we all need to deal with and uh, recognize the ways that we're each in individual ways, maybe more tempted to that in one area or another. Um, and then, and that really deals with our first, you know, that first and great commandment, love the Lord first with all that you are and a counterfeit friendship that gets in the way of that is not okay. That was friendships that are built on selfishness, which kind of deals with that second command, love your neighbors yourself. We're supposed to love people in a way that puts them above ourselves. And a lot of times in friendship, we just in our motives, we are self-motivated. We're giving a lot of things in friendship just to get something back. We're giving to secure our own place in some of these friendships, to um, fight for our needs to be met in a way that's sometimes really hard to see, but um, that we need transformation. And we, we need God to help us see and transform our motivation in friendship so that we are truly selfless as he's called us to be and enabled us to be. Um, and that last one, um, deals a lot with the last counterfeit is mimicking marriage and uh, deals with this institution of marriage. And I just think, you know, that one um, is becoming common cultural norm that I felt like it was really important to address in the book that um, we should not be creating friendships 
that are mimicking the institution of marriage. And we need to reject the lie that marriage satisfies our longings, that exclusive, you know, one flesh union can't satisfy and neither can a friendship that mimics it, only Jesus can. And um, so, yeah, those were, those are the three that I, I tried to build those categories um, to simplify it and help us look at our own lives and evaluate that. And I also hoped that it would help every person feel a sense of, oh, this is everybody. We all struggle with this. Um, if, if you're reading it, my hope was that it wouldn't be, oh, I'm, I must be really weird or wrong or have problems that I, I you know, that I have all these friendship problems. But I think as you read it, it's like, no, this is, there's ways that all of us can find ourselves in that list. It's a common human problem to look to God's gifts, not God, the giver, for satisfaction. And maybe we're just not used to looking for it in friendship. But I think when we do, we'll, we'll see that we all have problems there. <laughs> we all need a little tweaking sometimes from, from the Lord to, to write the ship there. Absolutely. And when you talk about, you know, the first counterfeit of, you know, putting friendships before the Lord, like you said, like that sounds so bold and like, you know, probably every believer wants to say like, well, I don't do that. But I mean, even myself reading it thinking like I have definitely done that in different mm -hmm. seasons of my life and different, um, friendships. Um, and I think that once you realize that it's really convicting and it really compels you to dig into the word and to really, you know, draw near to Jesus through his word and prayer to keep mm -hmm. him at the center. And I mean, I can speak for myself that I've seen when I have the things aligned in priority that my friendships and my community are just so much better and the way that I view relationships and community now is just so different and so much better than it was maybe 10 years ago. Yes, I think we all want the the fruit of that, you know, like you said that um putting Christ in place those friendships really can flourish and I think we all want that, but sometimes um we want to skip the path that God intends for us to get there, which looks like repenting of um, our idols, the things we've trusted in that aren't him and being honest about that with him. Um, not beating around the bush about it and just calling it what it is mm -hmm. and asking him to change us. And it, that's a hard process. And even in writing the book, I was really aware of that. I was like, I just, I know as I was writing it, I prayed a ton through this process because it's like, this is going to, expose things in people like it's exposed things in me and that's that's really hard to take a, that look in the mirror and go I thought I was a good friend and now I'm not you know and but trying to um you know help people see even from my own experience that this is the only way to true flourishing in this area we have to do this part we have to stare at the ugliness call it what it is and then ask God to change us and on the other side of that is a lot of freedom and joy and fullness, the very thing we want in the first place, and in a way that will be lasting and, and genuine. Um, and that's really, that's, that's my hope, that, that people will be able to see the goal is deep, meaningful friendships that are sturdy and stable and free and everything that we want, um, but getting it the right way. Mm -hmm. I also love um, that you touch on some really hard things in friendship. Um, at the very end of the book, you, you have a whole section where it's called, is it time to end, end a friendship or, mm -hmm. um, and that, like when I read through that, that, I think that is a topic for a lot of women, especially mm -hmm. that is really hard and there can be some deep seated hurt because maybe 
maybe a friendship has ended abruptly or, you know, without, they don't know why, or, you know, maybe they have had to, to do that end of friendship and it hasn't gone well. Can you talk a little bit about why you wanted to include that in this book? Yeah, I wanted to include it because I, I really believe there is a place for um, a friendship coming to an end. Um, I've walked with people in some really deep, difficult situations. And at the end of that, the, the way that those two people were, were the best friends that they could be to each other was not together. That they had to go and run their own separate races following Christ. They became too much of a distraction and a temptation to one another together. And so in some ways, I, I, you know, that was the truest form of friendship they could offer one another is separation, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I'd seen that happen enough that I knew I needed to include um, some principles for people to think through that. Um, I think there is a time to say, you know, like uh, Hebrews 12 says, we're to run our race with our eyes fixed on Christ, casting aside every sin and every hindrance that slows us down. And sometimes a friendship, if it's too full of idolatry and temptation and um, it's become too ingrown, it becomes a hindrance to running our race to follow Christ. And I think that's a real category we have to have. But at the same time, um, I was, my hope is that people would be able to discern those moments from maybe other ways we've ended friendships that weren't right. We had maybe a, a hurt or a wound that we weren't w- willing to talk about. We weren't willing to confront it. We just decided this is too uncomfortable. So I'm just going to like back away and go somewhere else. And that's not okay. Um, I think of women, we're not very, very good at being uh, brutally honest with one another. We tend to kind of prefer fake friendship sometimes to real friendship. And uh, I've been on the, I've done that before. I share some of my story in the book in a chapter on conflict. Um, I've been a conflict avoider. And so I have let friendships fizzle and die because I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to say, hey, you hurt my feelings and let's talk about it. And I've also um, been on the other end where I have been the one with a blind spot or something going on. And I've had friends who were, who, cared about me enough to say, I want this friendship to work and I want something real with you, but I can't right now because there's something you can't see. And they were willing to, to enter into that really uncomfortable place of conflict with me. And we were able to, to um, come to a place of um, deeper and meaningful friendship. And, and I was able to see things I needed to deal with it myself. Um, and so you, you know, the people listening, it's like, I, I don't know probably couldn't say, yeah, I've let a friendship fizzle and die. Or I've been on the receiving end of that where somebody just disappeared out of my life. And I was like, what happened? Did I do something wrong? Like what happened to that friendship? And a lot of those things I think could be resolved if we were willing to be honest with one another, um, lovingly and kindly. And so um, I think ending a friendship is a last resort, but it's one sometimes we need to do um, after we've done everything else we can to fight for reconciliation in this life. but at the end of the day, Jesus is our primary loyalty, not a friendship. And so if a friendship's cutting into his territory, it's keeping us from chasing him and following him, then we need to take that seriously and need to consider, um, is it right for me to continue this friendship in the way I am right now um, if it's keeping me from, from following Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I also love how you talk about in the book holding your friends with an open hand and 
this is something we've talked about on the podcast before the idea of friendships mm. coming in different seasons of your life and seasons change mm. and life change and um, you talk about in the book like you know having friends who have relocated or moved away or you know they, they're just in a different season and allowing for that grace and understanding with one another that you know your friend you can still have a friendship but your season might be different or theirs might be different and just allowing that grace I think that kind of circles back to like the being offended you know when we don't mm-hmm. lack understanding and grace with one another and that's something I've seen in my own life too is just mm-hmm. being able to like you say in the book, know that your relationships and friendships also, you know, they hear from the Lord and they have God's call on their life and and leaving that friendship Mm -hmm. open-handed. I think the way you talk about it in the book, it's just such a sweet picture of how we also, you know, can point our friends and our relationships to Christ as we should be. Yeah. I think um, that reminder that Jesus is our highest loyalty um, is, is so good for our friendships. And it reminds us that um, we're not in this life just to huddle up together and, you know, just get all the comfort and joy we can in this life. We know more than anyone else on the earth, there is a new heavens and new earth coming. There is joy and eternal friendship forever coming for us. That's already, we've already been given the, you know, best friends forever. Like literally we will be friends forever with um, all those who trust in Christ. And so it, it hopefully should free us and remind us, well, why am I still here? Um, because God's kingdom has not yet fully come here. So for the Christian, we have this call to be his ambassadors, to be welcoming new and more people into his family and into his friendship. And the thing that every human heart was made for was to know God. And if we get to and grown in our friendships and trying to hold them all tight together we lose sight of the mission we have and there's something I think that deepens our friendships when we remember that mission when we come together and link arms and say let's follow Christ each one of us and 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 fight for his kingdom to come and like you said when my friend moves or they are in a new season and they're following him obediently into something new that hinders us from getting together more often that's hard there's some sadness in that but I can remember our friendship was about something bigger anyway. And I get to be your friend from afar now. I get to pray for you. I get to like release you and make you not feel guilty for not having time to call me in this new season and just say, you go follow him. Um, We have forever together, but you need to be obedient to him. He's your highest priority and he's my highest priority. And that mission together that we have, I think really strengthens and deepens our friendship. I think sometimes we're worried it will like make them not as close, but I think it does the opposite it. Um, that open-handedness, that reminder of our mission, um, it's our, our friendships more meaningful and, and more uh, unique and special in some ways. Mm-hmm. I love that. I have a g- group of girlfriends who we all kind of met together when I led a mom's group and none of us knew each other. I only knew one other girl um, in the group, but everybody else we didn't know each other. We met each other for the first time at this mom's group, formed a friendship. Mm-hmm. And now years later, like, I love that, like, you know, some of them, will, they'll hang out just, you know, one-on-one, or sometimes we'll try to make plans for dinner and go out, you know, um, and maybe one can't come, but we all still get together. And there, it's just, it's so healthy 
because mm-hmm. nobody's offended that, you know, we're not all together. They're okay if, you know, to hang out or go on a play date with their kids. And we all have kids in kind of different stages. And so it doesn't make sense, you know, all the time. But I love that, you know, those girlfriends, they're forming relationships and connections without me because I know I'm not the glue and that Christ is here, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's so good for us to have such a healthy view of our relationships and friendships with others that we can kind of have so much grace and understanding and let each other off the hook when we don't need to be on the hook, you know? Mm Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, just switching gears a little bit, um, what do you feel like was the best thing about writing your book? Ooh, I think one of the best things was um, seeing the role that my friends played in writing a book on friendship. <laughs> um, I had a lot of times where my friends prayed over me. They were a big, along with my husband, a big part of me making the decision to do this. I really didn't want to for a long time. And um, I did have one friend um, we met for breakfast one morning just to share prayer requests and pray for one another. And I made some comment like, you know, something, something, you know, if God wants me to write this book and I kept going and one of my friends stopped me and she said, Kelly, I think you need to stop saying if God wants to write this book. I think you know that he wants you to do it and you just need to do it. (laughs) I was like, Oh, you're right. I'm avoiding this. And so they really were a big part of just saying, seeing the call of God on my life to do this, encouraging me, cheering for me to do it, praying for me when it was really hard and, um, and helping me by brainstorming with me. Some some of my friends read the manuscript before I had sent it to my publisher to just give me initial feedback. And that to me is something really special about this book that I made some of the words on a page, but there is a a group of friends who really enabled this to be possible. And I love that. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Um, Okay. One thing I always ask all of my guests at the end of our interview is who or what is allowing you to flourish currently in the season that you're in? Hmm. I think, um, you know, the season I'm in right now is is very full, um, just in the aftermath of this book coming out, lots of different plates spinning more than usual. So, um, the discipline of solitude has actually been like a life giving spring. Um, it's kind of a neglected, maybe spiritual discipline in modern day, but, um, you know, Psalm 62 says, um, I wait for you in silence. Oh God, you know, there's, there's a place for I'm going to sit still for half an hour and I'm just going to tell you, God, I love you. Quiet and um, remind myself, I don't have to keep being busy to keep the world spinning. You do that. And, um, and I don't think I would be flourishing right now without the little windows I've been trying to build in that aren't Bible study necessarily. They're just, I'm going to sit outside. I'm going to set a timer and I'm just going to sit here and um, enjoy the world God made, remind myself, God doesn't need me today and I can rest in him. And he's been really dealing with my heart in some of those moments in really good ways and um, pulling out some unhealthy thought patterns forming and, and just reminding me of truth. So yeah, that, that's what comes to mind is silence and solitude. That quietness alone with God has been so good for my soul um, in this season. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us. 
So yeah. the book is available anywhere books are sold. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And where can everyone find you if they want to connect with you after the show today? Yeah. Um, you can find me on my website. I have a website that's just my name, Kelly Needham at kellyneedham.com. And I do some, I've written some articles about friendship over the years. And, and so even if you don't want to buy the book and you're interested in that, you can search friendship on my website and find a few things there. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook too, just sharing things that God's teaching me and, and passing that along. So, um, yeah, and there's a way to connect and send email on my website as well if if you want to do that. But yeah, those would be the ways to connect. Awesome. And I'll leave links to the book and your website and your social media in the show notes. So anyone who's listening, they can go to the show notes and find those links. Thank you, Kelly, so much for joining me today and having this conversation. I really think it's an important one. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, Andrea. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Flourish Together podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you would jump on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Ratings and reviews are so key and so important to podcasts. They help other people find the show and discover new episodes. So if you guys would take just a few moments and go ahead and rate and review the show, I would so appreciate it. And thank you to all of you who have taken the time to already review this show. It is life to podcasts and means so much to me. And I enjoy going through them and reading every week what you guys are thinking about the show. To find links mentioned in this episode that we talk about and links to where you can connect with Kelly after the show, visit the show notes on my website at andreamworley.com. And there you'll be able to find the show notes for episodes and discover more episodes. You'll also find a link to sign up for the newsletter. And there's a few freebies on my website just for you guys that are listening. Thank you guys so much. And I will see you in the next episode.